Thank you, John. Let us pray together. Oh, Father God, we, by your grace and design, we delight in your word. We delight in your word because there we find your son, Jesus. And we realize that in Christ alone, we can find life and life abundantly. In Christ alone, we have one who has become our sin so that we can become righteous. And Father, because of that reality in Christ, we find your amazing grace. We find your peace that passes understanding. So Father, because of the fact that your Son has come and you have made us yours, would you send the Spirit of Christ into this room? Would you give us eyes to see and understand your Word, minds that can grapple with this and hearts that beat for you? And God, would you empower our feet that we may walk out of here in newness of life, committed, committed to you because you're committed to us and committed to one another. Father, the things that I say that are true and contain the good news of Jesus Christ, would you use those things to make us more like Jesus? And the things that I say or that are just my opinion are wrong, may they fall away and be forgotten. Would you please bring yourself glory? Would you give us joy and challenge? We pray in Christ's name, amen. What's that one event in your life that completely changed the course of your life? What was that one circumstance, that, that one event that really made you say, I can't live like this any longer? I mean, things have have to change. What's that one thing or, or circumstances that you would say, hey, because of this, because of this, I have to change. I just can't live like this any longer. Maybe it was the birth of a child. I mean, becoming a parent and that reality that, man, you got to get responsible in a hurry, huh? Uh, Maybe it was uh, a death of a friend or a death of a family member. What was that one event? Maybe it was a battle with cancer. Those of us who have gone through that uh, with family members, we know that a lot of changes, changes in your diet, changes in your life. uh, You just kind of see life different because of this. Maybe for some of you, it was a divorce, a change in your life that way. Uh, Maybe for some, it was receiving an inheritance. It's because of this, everything's going to change. I want that one. But anyway, uh, because of this, clearly there are times, there are times in each one of our lives, it's true individually, it's true corporately. When something seismic happens, there's some big shifts that happen in our life, maybe physically around us, but more importantly, inside of us that cause us to say, because of this, it's going to be different. It's true of our country, isn't it? I mean, can you believe we're almost 10 years away from 9-11, 10 years ago? And just uh, watching those planes fly into the buildings and into that ground in Pennsylvania and into the Pentagon. I mean, because of this, our nation came together. Because of this, our, our, our president said, we're going to declare a, terror, a, a war on terrorism. Because of this. Because of this, something's got to change. I mean, maybe individually for some of you right now, it's a loss of job or downsizing. And you say, you know, because of this, things have to be different. 
Well, this, because of this mentality is exactly what was happening in the book of Nehemiah with God's people. If you, if you listen carefully when John read, it started off with this. Well, because of this, because of the circumstances and the conditions, they were able to say, we are going to make a firm commitment. I mean, all the things that God was doing in their midst, they said, it's making us make this firm commitment. We're going to write our names down. And here's what we're going to commit to. We're going to commit to God like never before. I mean, God is doing some great things and and we're going to commit to him. There's no greater commitment, is there? But they did more. They said, we're going to commit to one another. We're going to commit to each other's. I mean, God has, has called us to himself. We're going to make this firm commitment because of this. Well, maybe you haven't been journeying with us. Maybe you're here for the first time and you haven't been going through Nehemiah and you want to know, well, well, what is this? What are the things that have been happening that made a whole community make such a bold stance? Well, let me tell you, uh, this is what has happened. A wall has been rebuilt around Jerusalem. And, and it maybe doesn't sound like a big deal, but they, they've been struggling for a really, really long time. And, and God, through his spirit and his good hand on them. You know, in 52 days, people like you and me, they rebuilt a wall around the community. Not only that, they had their temple there. And now all of a sudden, they had security from their enemies. They didn't, they didn't feel so insecure that anybody could come and just have their way with God's people there and, and steal from them. But not only that, they they realize we're no longer a reproach. God's still with us. God's still for us. And just some of those tangible, physical things made them say because of this. But but really, it's so much more than just physical. It was what's happening to their community. Uh, There was going through a community revival, a community change. A community was being rebuilt. And it was being rebuilt under God's word. As, as Ezra the priest and, and the Levites were unfolding God's word to the people, it was really kind of interesting. They put themselves under God's word and then those who understood it and had been trained on it went out to the people and they wanted to make sure that everybody got it, that everybody understood it. And as they started to put themselves under God's word, something amazing happened. God revealed who he was. I mean, this great God, that he's a holy God without sin, that he's a good God And they realized, man, this is an amazing God that's called us to himself because they got under his word and they saw him for who he was. But something else happened. They saw themselves for who they were. They saw what God's word revealed about who they were in their their sinful life. And and they revealed to them that, you know what, they had this kind of groundhog day existence that even as God's people, they keep messing up. I mean, they keep on stumbling. They got this, this habit of sin and then God forgives and sin and then God forgives and sin and God forgives. And so they're in the midst of like emotional highs and low because when they get God's law and they're reading it, they start weeping and they start confessing their sins. But there's something really, really, really magical that happened in chapter eight. As they were under God's word, here's what they saw. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, it's so amazing about God's word is this, is that it started to reveal the truth of God and the truth of who we are, and it started to crush them. And yet they ran to the reality that, listen, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our shelter. And they realized that this God who is, is a sheltering, loving, forgiving God, that in the midst of the reality of a groundhog life and all of their sins, he doesn't stop loving them. So here's what's beautiful. They could be true to themselves and they could be true to God. They were free to be able to confess their sins and to be honest, you know what? We're we're, we're a mess, but God loves us. We're his. 
That's what the gospel does. But still at the end, if, if you, we picked up in the verse because of this, but the two verses right before that, it says this. It says, you know what? We got a wall that's built. We got a temple that's built. God's doing some really, really cool stuff. We're back together. We're under God's word. But you know what they said? We feel enslaved. We still feel oppressed. We're back in this land that's called promised. We're back with a place with a wall. We're back with a temple. We're still serving others. We're still serving others. But it was all because of this. All the things that God was doing outside, tangibly, and inside. That they make this firm covenant, covenant or firm agreement and they, on a sealed document and they sign it. And the reality is it's both positive and negative. We see it. I mean, in chapter 8, there's like, they're partying like never before because of the joy of the Lord. I mean, they're, they're eating the best food they can. In chapter 9, they're just weeping because of their brokenness and sin. And at the end of chapter 9, they're still realizing, dang, we're enslaved. They had joy. They had tears. They had anguish. Don't you think that's what we bring here? (laughs) Isn't it the reality of us? So this is where they make this firm commitment. But they say, because of this. Well, because of this, then you get to verses, uh, chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. God's people enter into what they say, this covenant. It's a curse and an oath. They basically say this curse and an oath. And here's what they say. They're going to uh, walk in God's law to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord. That's not language we use much, a curse and an oath. Uh, maybe we got to think about our, our children or things we said when we really, really were serious as kids and we were going to make a real covenant, a real commitment. What do we say? I cross my heart. I hope to die. I stick a needle in my eye. I mean, that's basically a, a curse and an oath. I mean, they're basically saying, hey, I'm going to do this. I swear I'm going to do this. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, 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 a covenant, an oath. I'm going to cross my heart. Uh, I'm going to curse myself. I'm going to hope to die if I don't do it. And I'm going to prove that by I'm going to stick a needle in my eye. Have you ever done that? I trust not. But anyway, well, here's what they said. Well, because of this, we're going to take this curse and this oath, and we're going to do three main things that we got to see. Three main things. First of all, we're going to keep our families pure. Look at verse 30. He says, we're going to keep our families pure. And here's how we're going to do this. Uh, we're not going to allow our sons and our daughters to intermarry with the communities around us. Now, don't think racially here. Don't think that, golly, are you kidding me? I mean, is this a segregated society? Uh, Think spiritually. I mean, this is a spiritual connection and a a purity. Uh, This is the reality that the, the fabric of a society, the building block of a society is the family. As the family goes, so the society goes, right? And so they realize that they're God's holy people. They realize that God set them apart. And they're realizing that we gotta keep our families pure. There's gotta be a difference between how we love and respond to God, how we love and respond to one another than the way the pagans do. Does that make sense? By the way, complete side note, I went and saw a movie called The Help this week. And man, is that a phenomenal movie. I mean, go there. I mean, it will show you a society of, of, uh, that's, that's been separated and, and uh, uh, you know, the bigotry between white and black and, and, and go and uh, you'll weep, you'll laugh. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. And so when you go there, uh, don't think that 
as far as purity of family. That's ridiculous. God's called us to love one another. You know, he loves yellow, black, red, and white. We are all precious in his sight. Amen. I mean, that's, that, that, there's a, this is not purity that, that we are superior. Come on. This is purity saying we want to, God's called us to be holy. And because he's holy, our family should be holy. Let's just stop and say, how are we doing? How are we doing? I mean, really, are we keeping our families pure? Or are we just like the Joneses? Sorry, if you're a Jones. Just like others. Keep our families pure. Well, here's what they they said. Okay, we we take this curse. We take this oath. We're going to keep our families pure. Not only that, we're going to keep our our worship pure. I mean, we are called to worship the God who is. And and he tells us how we are to worship him. And and God's the one who tells us how we are to come before him. And we're going to keep our worship pure. And the way we see this is in verse 31. They say, we're going to honor the Sabbath. I mean, God has, has set us apart for himself and we're going to show that we believe we're going to trust in him. And you got to understand, they were a very small little teeny society that, that the Sabbath day was no different from the pagans around them. They wanted to come and trade with them. They wanted to be like every other day. And God said, no, keep your worship pure. Keep your worship pure. You should, you should always worship me, but there should be a specific time you come apart and worship Keep it pure. Keep it under my word. Filled with your spirit. How are we doing? Is our, is our worship pure? Are we keeping the Sabbath day holy? A day set apart from him. And then they said this. Hey, we're going to keep the house of God running. I mean, it was amazing. John did a great job. I was saying, thank you. He's reading and I'm not. But verses 32 through 39, it just starts to say all the stuff that they were bringing. They're bringing firewood. Uh, they're going to bring in uh, the first fruits of the ground. They're bringing dough in. They're bringing all kinds of stuff into the house of the Lord. Why? Because it ends saying this. We're not going to neglect it. I mean, God said he's going to put his name here. God said this is going to be a, 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 a place that he's going to meet with us. And we're not going to neglect the house of God. And we're going to make sure that we supply everything it needs to keep it running. That's what they did. And so listen, because of all this, we're going to make this a commitment. But you know what? There's nothing really new here. I mean, you read the Nehemiah story, you think that maybe because of this, they're making this commitment. But really, they're, they're doing nothing new. I mean, they're only doing what God had already asked them to do. Did you notice that? Did you notice that all they said is that we're going to commit to do what God already asked us to do? And we might get confused with this too. It might sound like we were the ones who were covenanting with God, that we we're going to make this agreement with God. And that's just not how it works, all right? Because God is God and we are not. And amazingly, God does enter into a relationship with us. Amazing, he's what we call a covenant God, where he promises to be our God uh, by his grace, and he gives us the faith of that, and that we could be his people. But this God is the God, he's the one who sets the rules. God's the one who sets the parameters. God's the one who says, this is how you're to live. As a matter of fact, God says this, I'm going to enter in a relationship with you, and if you keep that relationship, there's blessings. And if you mess it up, well, there's, there's curses. And so really, when you hear this story of Nehemiah, those of you who have read the Old Testament uh, are familiar with that, especially in Nehemiah's day, they would know, they'd have an echo in their ear. They'd be saying, oh, this sounds very familiar. Their thoughts would take them back to the Pentateuch in the book of Deuteronomy. Because it's in Deuteronomy 28 through 30 that we see and find God's people. If you have your Bibles, you may want to just look at that for a moment. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, 
You have God's people standing uh, before the promised land. I mean, my goodness, God has opened up the Red Sea for them. He, he has taken care of the Israelites. Um, they are about ready after a 40-year journey to enter into the promised land. Uh, and they are going to enter into this uh, agreement with God. Actually, remember, he initiated it. And in chapter 28, 1 through 14, God says, here are all the blessings. Here are all the blessings you're going to receive for being obedient and for following me. And then it's interesting to me that you get 14 verses of blessings and then Deuteronomy 15, all the way through Deuteronomy 29, are curses. And he says, here's all the things that will happen if you don't obey me and you don't follow me. And amazingly, if we look closely, even in Deuteronomy 9, verse 47, uh, he, says to, he says to the people, he says, listen, I'm going to bless you with such great stuff. And because of this, you think you'd follow me? But guess what? In spite of this, they don't. Okay, now listen. So you got 28 and 29 blessings and curses. You get to 30, Deuteronomy 30, and here's what God says. You're going to be in this place. <laughs> he, he basically tells them, you're going to mess up. You're going to experience all the curses, but I'm going to bring you back. And there's going to be a time that you're standing before me and you will be able to choose again life or death. There'll be a time to say, yes, I'm in. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to God and commit to one another. As the people of Nehemiah and all those people were going to make a curse and an oath, they were having a major deja vu. They were saying, mm, 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 we've been here before. Not only have we been here before, but we messed up. Matter of fact, our track record stinks. We, 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 we just fail. How do you think they felt standing before God? knowing their track record, knowing that God's word would say they'd be just right here. And they're going to say, okay, we're going to commit to God. We're going to commit to one another. Do you ever notice it's tough to make a commitment on the heels of failure? I mean, isn't that really kind of the hardest time? When you're, when you're feeling like a loser or when you, when you got lost in your life, isn't, aren't you a little gun shy? I mean, if you've experienced a failed marriage or if you've experienced a, a rebellious child or if your life's fallen apart, that's kind of a hard time to make a commitment. We had a lady come in our church and met with Larry, uh, our, our small group, community groups director, and just say, you know, my, my, my marriage is in shambles. My kids, I mean, it's bad news. It's hard for me right now to make a commitment because I'm such loss. God's spirit was there and they realized this is the time like ever to make a commitment. But I want you to feel this. I want you to feel God's people. I mean, God has done so much. I want you to just be there for just a moment and just know that they're, they're just swearing an oath and a curse that they're going to do it. Are they? I got great news. No, no, no. I don't have great news. God has great news. God has just, it's not good news. It's great news. It's just such amazing news. You got to hear this. You got to hear this. This is amazing, great news. You ready for this? You got to hear this. What God requires, God provides. Did you hear that? What God requires, God provides. Is that not good news? Say it with me. What 
God requires, God provides. And then we see the reality of this Bible story. They put themselves, by the way, under God's word, singular, not words, because it's one story. And we see the beauty, the beauty of this story unfolding. And you ready for this? Is that Jesus is our oath keeper and Jesus is our curse bearer. Did you hear that? Jesus is our oath keeper and Jesus is our curse bearer. This is what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, when scripture tells us that God took him who knew no sin. Who is he who knew no sin? It's Jesus, the only obedient son. It's Jesus, the one who did do all that the father asked of us and him to do. Jesus, the one who is the oath keeper. God took him who knew no sin, the oath keeper, to be our sin, the curse bearer. Why? So that we can be the righteousness of Christ in God. Did you get it? I mean, do you get it? Is that just not amazing? Is it not amazing to be able to stay here and say, hey, we're going to commit to God and one another, but it's going to be a whole lot more about Jesus than it is about us? I mean, the writer of Hebrews says it this way, that through one sacrifice, the sacrifice of God's obedient, sinless son, through one sacrifice, God has made forever perfect, forever perfect, those who are being made holy. Unbelievable. He says this, Jesus, the oath keeper, will become the curse bearer so that we can become perfected in Christ Jesus today. That's some really good news. Great news. Do you know that news? Has it changed your life? You see, the event that changed everything, the event that changed history, the event that completely changed the course of life was God sending forth his son to rescue us. And to make all things new. So what's the reality? See, all the blessings that God promised for obedience. Listen, all of the promises and the blessings that God promised for obedience, Jesus has secured for us. Did you hear that? I want you to know that, that all of God's promises are contingent, are, are, are conditional. Some think, well, God is so loving and so merciful that he'll just kind of say, hey, no big deal about your sin. No big deal. I'm going to bless you anyway. We're going to kind of look past your foibles. We're going to look past your, your brokenness, your lust, your depravity. We're going to look past that. I'm just going to bless you anyway. Do you know that God can't do that and still be God? Do you know that God can't do that and still be holy? There's no way. God has to deal with sin. Every one of God's promises are conditional on perfect obedience. That's why we love Jesus. That's why we love Jesus. That's why we love Jesus. Because 1 Corinthians 2.20 says this, all the promises of God find their yes in God's obedient son and Jesus Everything that God promised of blessings are ours now. Ephesians 1, 3 says this. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms are ours now because of what Christ Jesus has done. All of them. I mean, for all of us who are commitment phobic, for all of us who just don't want to hear one more sermon saying, try harder, get better. We have Jesus who realizes that Savior has secured all the blessings of God for us, but he did more. All the curses 
that God threatened for disobedience. All the curses for disobedience in a holy God's eyes that we justly deserve. Jesus has absorbed for us on the cross. I mean, that's, that's why he hung there naked and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he could be that, that human sponge of flesh and absorb all of the wrath that yours and my sin deserves. Listen, God's word says he disciplines those he loves. And some of you are going through some tough stuff right now. And some of you guys are thinking, are thinking is God mad at me? I mean, Am I, am I being punished for my sin? God would be unjust. It'd be double jeopardy. If God poured out his wrath on his son for yours and my brokenness, yours and my sin, he can't be angry with us anymore. He will discipline us. He will love us. But do you know that the father's wrath has been absorbed in Jesus? Do you know it? I mean, do you know that now we can have the smile of the Father and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because of Jesus? That's what Jesus has done for us. That's that oath keeper, curse bearer. Here's what Jesus said. I'll do it, Father. I'll go. I'll become a man. I'll I'll, I'll go rescue them. I'll go become their sin. I'll go do it. I cross my heart. I'm willing to die. I'll do a lot more than stick a needle in my eye. I'll wear that crown of thorns. I'll let those nails pierce my hands and my feet. I'll hang there on that cross. I'll go be that oath keeper and curse bearer so I could bring them to you. 1 Peter 2, 24 says this, he himself bore our sins in his body on that tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you and I have been healed. You see, it's Jesus. He is our success. We do not commit ourselves to God or to one another or to any other initiatives because we think we're gonna succeed this time around. God wants us to commit to him and to one another because his son already succeeded. How many things in life have you failed at? How many things, how many, how many commitments have you broken? I mean, how many promises have just fallen by the wayside? Jesus came to remove the shame of them, the guilt of them, and to say, I now want you to commit. Commit to me and commit to one another. But here's why, out of love, because I already love you. Out of all that I have done for you. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It's basically saying this, let's go close to God because what he has done for us in Christ Jesus, because Jesus is our oath keeper, our curse bearer. Let's draw close and let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The reality is this, we need to commit because of all that Christ has done. All right, what do we commit to? 
Well, the first thing we got to do is commit ourselves to Christ. Have you done it? I mean, are, are you trying to live your life and earn the Father's favor on your own? You'll never do it. You can't keep your promises. You'll still fail. No matter what you try to have an oath and curse with, it's not going to work. It's not supposed to. You embrace Jesus and you ask him to forgive your sins and to become the Lord of your life. Have you ever committed to Christ? That's the only way to have life and life abundantly. We need to commit ourselves to Christ's church. I mean, he's called us not just to relationship with him, but for one another. And if you are not a member of an evangelical church, you need to be. You need to be under the authority of God's word. You need to be under the authority of the men that God has called into leadership position. You need to place yourself under that authority. If it's not here, fine. But find one that is going to teach and preach God's word to you. We'd love it to be here. We are next new Discovering Orangewood class starts Friday in Katie and my house. We'd love to have you. You'll see a sign on the way out. Commit. Commit yourself because of the love of Christ. It's good for you. Commit yourself to one another. You look at your bulletins, you're going to find uh, an insert there for community groups. This will be a list of community groups. Uh, you'll see in the foyer some new kiosks with days uh, posted on what day community groups are meeting. We got one for every day of the week, several for every day of the week, um, except for Saturday, I believe. This is a time to sign up. If you're a member around here, a long time uh, a visitor, you got to sign up. Uh, sign up for one of our community groups. We're launching like 21 of them. Uh, we're so excited. God has called us to commit to one another. Then we commit ourselves to the house of God. Also, you'll see uh, an insert that we are uh, um, launching a uh, capital campaign today. Uh, last several years have been difficult for all of us financially. Uh, we have gotten a place where we just haven't kept up with some capital improvements in the many ways the way we should. And we are in desperate need of a roof. Um, thank God it was not leaking on us today. In desperate need of new air conditioning. You can see a list right here of what we believe that will cost. Rejoice that our, our biggest and most visible ministry, Orange Christian School, is committing to half of that cost. There's some other expenses that you'll see. And let me say to you, I'm so excited to report, all of your pastors and nearly all of your elders have already committed to this, uh, raising significant funds that will cover uh, all the things that you see are new are already paid for by God's grace. And now it's, it's us to, uh, up to all of us to say, I want to be committed. Committed to what God has done. Listen, if you're here and you feel guilty that I'm asking you out of guilt or law to commit to any of these things, you've missed the message completely. Don't do it. Don't do it. But God says, respond out of my love. I want you to be committed because I've been so committed to you to the point of death. The oath thing and the curse thing, I've taken care of it. But stand up and be committed for me. You know, what's it they did? They signed a sealed document. Here's how we're going to close. We're going to close. I'm going to ask you, if you want to be committed to one of these things, Christ as your Savior, this church is your church, a community group as a place uh, for you to grow, or the Rise Up campaign. I don't do this often. I'm going to close in prayer. And if you are going to be committed because of the love of Christ to one of those things, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to sing. We're going to be reminded that even as we commit, it's still not about us. It's all about Jesus and his glory. So let me ask right now, if you feel like, you know what, I need to be committed. I need to be committed to Christ. I need to be committed to Christ's church. 
I need to be committed to a small group. I need to be committed uh, uh, to this Rise Up campaign. Will you stand so I can pray for you, please? Let's pray together. Father God, what amazingly great news that you draw us to yourself completely out of love, completely by grace, completely through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, what a joy it is to respond to your love. Thank you that you don't guilt us into it. Thank you that we don't have to make yet another covenant and promise and swear that we're going to do it and we're not. Thank you for the reality that Jesus is, Jesus is our oath keeper. Jesus is our curse bearer. And because of him, we commit to you and we commit to one another. God, thank you. Come and and bless us so that we can be a blessing to you. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand and sing.